Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome back to the Empowered Patient Radio Show. I'm Hari Kalsa, and I'm your host today. Uh, today's show is about, it's called uh, The Nursing Home Roller Coaster, Tips for Getting Quality Service. This is going to be really great. It really, the guest that I have, Siri Bonnie Ludlam, has so much experience dealing with the nursing homes with her mother that I, I think it will be such valuable information. <clears throat> um, but, but before we get there, uh, first I want to say that my heart goes out to all those people in Japan. Uh, I can't help but think about all the suffering that's going on out there. Uh, and my prayers are there. The other thing I would like to do is uh, give you my healthcare navigation tip of the day. And today's tip, which is one of my favorite ones to give out and talk about, is your medical records and HIPAA. Now, the HIPAA law was designed so that you, the patient, had a right to view your medical records. The law is written that it is your right, and I say that again, it is your right to be able to view your records. Now, it seems so simple, but there always seems to be a problem when people want to get their records. Some practices it's easy to get. Sometimes you have to pay. But generally, you can get them within two uh, two weeks to 30 days. However, where I always run into trouble and I have to assist people is in the hospital. For some reason, the hospitals give people a really, a lot of the hospitals give people a really hard time looking at their uh, medical records. So here's my advice. If you want to look at your medical record, if you're a family member, Make sure first you've signed the release, the HIPAA release, that gives you authorization to look at the record if you're not the patient. If they say, well, you can't look at the, the we, we don't allow that, very calmly say, I'd like to speak to the supervisor of the floor. If the supervisor of the floor says that you can't look at the records, then very calmly say, you want to talk to the director of patient relations. If the director of patient relations gives you a hard time, then you need to ask to see the HIPAA compliance officer. The law states that every facility and every practice has to have a HIPAA compliance officer. Now, the HIPAA compliance officer has to know the law. And sometimes the hospital will put a little extra on it to make it a little bit harder for you to look at. But the bottom line is they have to let you look at it. So one thing I recently I found was the hospital said, well, there has to be a doctor with you. Well, the law actually reads, 
uh, and specific for some states even 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 more detailed that having a medical person with you is not a prerequisite for being able to view your medical records. So it's really important that you know you have the right. And if the final line is they don't let you look, then you need to file by law with the Office of Civil Rights. You can go that. It's regional. You'd have to look up where what region you're in. And you can report to the Department of Public Health. Usually by the time it gets to that, you can usually get to look at them. But just know your records are yours, and you have every right to see what's in them. Okay, so enough of that. Today, let's get right to it because this is going to be great information for everybody. Today we have Siri, Siri Bonnie Ludlam with us. She's the co-founder of Kundalini Yoga Boston and the Inman Square Gallery in Boston. She received her uh, Bachelor's of Fine Arts from the School of, of the Art Institute of Chicago and her Master's of Fine Arts from the College of Fine Arts at Boston University. In addition to teaching yoga, Cindy is an artist and an art instructor. She's also a field associate in the Art and Education Department at Boston University. She's taught at art at Boston University and many other places around the world. She also is the visual arts uh, chair at Chapel Hill Chauncey Hall School in Waltham, Massachusetts. So I am going to bring her on because besides all those wonderful things, she is an expert in getting what you want from the nursing home. So, Siri Bonnie, are you there? I'm here, Hari. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. No, thank you. Oh, this is great. I, I've been building you up because I think you have an awful lot of information to share today. So let's get right to it. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of background of how you found yourself, of, of your history with with your family member? Okay. Um, in the summer of 2009, I went to visit my mom. I live in Boston. She lives in New York. Um, went to visit her with my children and we went out to eat, and I noticed when we were going out to eat, she was having a lot of trouble swallowing and chewing her food. And my mom's health has not been the greatest for about the last eight or nine years, but something was different. So at that point, mm-hmm. I talked with my mom and her and my aunts. My mom actually was at that time living with one of her sisters because her health was starting to decline, so she was living with her. Um, and... I sat down with both of them and I said, I think mom needs to see a specialist. Something's going on. So they made an appointment, took her to Columbia, saw a specialist, and the report that I got back from my aunt was, everything seems fine. It's just her trigeminal neuralgia causing her mouth pain. Um, So fast forward a few months, I get a call um, from my aunt that my mom had fallen during the night, hit her head, and was in a coma and in the ER in New York City. Oh, dear. Uh, that must have yeah. been quite the shock. It was really shocking, really unexpected, and, you know, I was in the middle of opening this yoga studio and teaching full-time, and I have two children, so... Um, oh, I forgot um, that. You're two wonderful children. Two yes. children. <laughs> so, <laughs> basically, I had to kind of pick everything up, um, just stop everything, and head to New York. And, you know, if it wasn't for the amazing support at my school, um, and this is a shout-out if you're an employer, 
one of the best things you can do to help someone if they are facing um, having to care for a loved one suddenly is provide them with um, as much kindness and support as you can. It makes a huge difference. It made a huge difference in my life. They took care of everything. Um, and I went to New York. And when I got to New York, it's when I found out from the staff there that my mom had actually been diagnosed with ALS in the summer, and no one told me. Um, my mom didn't even know. My aunts kept it from kept it from us. Um, not anything malicious. They just weren't. I guess they weren't ready to face the truth. So what happened is my mom. So even though you're the the oldest daughter, yeah, and you you have a sibling, right? Uh, you, yes. you hadn't been told. No one had, had told you. No one had said anything, and I think it's pretty typical in families where people aren't able to really face the possibility of a terminal illness. That people don't always, if you say it, it becomes real. So I was actually able to pull records once I got there um, with the ER staff, who was they were amazing. This is a North Shore in Manhasset, amazing, amazing ER staff, all over staff, amazing, and amazing social work and psychology department there. They um, sat down with me, told me what was going on, just completely in shock. My mom, at that point, I had to sign paperwork. Well, I, I wanted to sign paperwork um, to have, she had to have be intubated. She had, we had to get a feeding tube in her. She was completely non-responsive. Um, and basically, you know, they said, you're the oldest child. You're going to need to make the decisions. So, so had you ever I, discussed this with your mother before? No. Did you, so, did you ever have a conversation? I never had a conversation. So I called my brother to find out had she had a conversation with you. It's something I never asked. And that's another piece of advice I can give people. Ask your parents. Ask your, ask anyone you might be responsible for what their wishes are and ask them to put it in writing. It's the best it's the best gift you can give yourself and your family members. So it was so important so to me. So when you say uh, wishes, you mean at end of life. End uh, of if, life if wishes. If the situation comes. Yeah. Because it's... Or, it, it was, or in a critical situation. I mean... And, and, right, because you don't want to be faced with having to make a decision for someone without knowing what they want. I know what I want, but I didn't know what my mom wanted. So I actually called my father. Um, my parents have been divorced for years, and he said... He wasn't sure either, so I'm like, great. So the only thing I could do with their help um, is I made that decision. I did call my brother. I talked with my aunts. We went on, had the feeding tube put in. You know, had um, she, you know, she's on complete life support at this point. And when she, you know, I knew that most likely she was going to wake up, and then hopefully, you know, we didn't know. They were really honest with me. We didn't know from the lack of oxygen if she'd be able to make decisions or not. So it was wait and see. So when she was able to communicate, I worked with their um, psychology department to kind of see where she was in terms of her ability to make decisions and could she make decisions for herself. So this, during this whole process, I think also that's I called you probably either right when she went in or the day after to get advice from you. And, and what I kind think of that's, advice was that? <laughs> well, I think I think at that point. I mean, I, mean, what, I, had, was, I guess to ask people, what were you looking for? How to, you know, yeah. What what were you looking for when you called me? Or, I think I was in shock. Like so the first thing I needed was some grounding. Some what? And you were very mm-hmm. practical with me, if I remember correctly. You know, I sat there with a pen and paper, and you said these are the things you should ask. These are the things you can do. 
Um, and also just that you were there to listen to me when I was, I felt totally alone. This was totally new. I had no idea even, I had no idea of her financial situation even. I didn't know her wishes. I didn't know anything. So I think the first thing you did was help me to calm myself down. You reminded me to do my yoga practice and <laughs> meditation, which was good. So it's uh, to keep myself centered, to take care of myself. And, you know, to At that keep... time, did you have a uh, health care proxy or did so you, you have a power of attorney? Any, there was no like power of attorney, no health care proxy. So I think that's one of the first things you advised me to do is get that taken care of. Um, and I actually, one of the things I did was call an attorney right away. Um, and that is another piece of advice I can give people that take that burden out of your out of your you know to do list basically um I didn't know how to file for Medicare I didn't know how to file for Medicaid I didn't know how to move her assets I didn't even know where her assets were so I worked with my aunt who knew where all the paperwork was and we actually went through all of my mom's paperwork and then we um I was you know had to do phone conferencing over the next few months with the attorney to try to figure this all out with my aunt, who was actually physically there in New York. Um, so we were able to, they came to the hospital, um, and we were able to, at that point, talk with my mom. And it was extremely stressful, extremely um, difficult, because my aunt, who was very close with my mom, who still is, really was confused about the whole thing and felt my mom didn't have ALS, and she really wanted to have power of attorney. Um, and joint power of attorney and really be in charge. And, you know, it became clear to me that she wasn't going to be able to make decisions. Um, But we also didn't know what my mom wanted. So the attorney met with my mom alone. And then power of attorney, I'm, you know, my mom's healthcare proxy and have power of attorney. So So how long was your mother in the coma? I mean, how long before you could start this stuff, like get this stuff going? It was about a month. Before your mother was in a coma for a month, my goodness. She wasn't in a coma so for between, a month, but but she can't. Well, she, before she could really speak and ma- not make decisions, um, and that most of it was in writing. Actually, she could still she could barely speak. Okay, but at, during that month, you still had to make all these decisions, and you had to fend off people not necessarily agreeing with your decisions. Right. I mean, the you, big, the hardest okay. thing for me was the daily. You know, being inundated daily with she doesn't have ALS. You know, um, we need to take her out of here. We need to bring in more specialists. And basically, I just kept trying to be very gentle with my aunts and one of my aunts in particular to say, let's bring in whoever you want. Let's get ten opinions, whatever you you know. But I was told by the hospital, um, North Shore and from Columbia, that it's 100%. And I actually talked with the doctors that she has ALS. Um, so then it was a matter of let's make my mom try to get her as comfortable as possible and let's find out what she wants. Mm-hmm. So you knew pretty much at that time that she was not going home, that this, this that she had to be placed somewhere else. Right, as yeah, the, this was all evolving and unfolding in front of you, having to get health care proxy, looming you knew that she wasn't going to go home. I knew, and I think my aunt, one of my aunts, again, was still unsure about that. Um, and I actually got help from the social worker and from the psychology department who sat down with all of us and helped me have that conversation with them. Um, I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I 
got a lot of support from them, and they helped me tell them, you know, that she wasn't going home. They also helped me tell my mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I never oh, felt that, that alone. Yeah, that I mean it was so. So once you started reaching out, you found that there were resources there for you. As soon as I asked for help, and I think that's another key thing is you know ask for help and then take the help that you're that's given to you. Don't think you have to do it alone. But also, you know, I had you to talk to to say this is the kind of help that's going to benefit you. This is the kind of help that's not. So I was able to discern, and you know, I had to be very level-headed through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. That must have been difficult. Uh, just very difficult. <laughs> but again, <laughs> yoga and meditation. Take care of yourself first, always. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And those two wonderful kids. They helped you, I know. They helped a lot, and they were great when they came to visit her. We actually, at that point, we didn't know how long she had. They told me she was end stage ALS. There were so many unknowns, so they came pretty quickly up. And, and they, they were the medical team. Did the medical team told you this? The medical team said she's yet yeah, end-stage ALS. So basically looking back, she's had ALS for years, and now we look at the symptoms, you can see it, but nobody knew up until that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's that's really a hard diagnosis to take anyway, and then to you know realize that you you know didn't know what's happening is is, a, right. is hard. So so here you are. Your aunts, and you you have to find. Did you have to find a nursing home? Did the hospital help you find a nursing home? What was your process? And how, and again, how did you pick the place? Yeah, again, it was a joint effort. The social worker at North Shore gave me a list of places, and my aunt and I actually I brought my laptop while we were waiting. Um, whenever we took a break, we were in the waiting room. We would look up the nursing homes. Um, and then we looked at their ratings, looked at any complaints that were filed, and then we came up with a list. And then at that point, I went back to Boston, and my aunt actually started looking at the nursing homes, and I was making phone calls from Boston to the nursing homes. Um, and we, what we quickly realized is every nursing home is faulted. There's not a perfect nursing home. And compounded with that, my mom, you know, she has end-stage ALS. She has to be on full life support. There weren't very many facilities that could that would be able to work with her. So we we found um, the best one that we could, and then we had to see if they would accept her, and they accepted her. And at that point... Meanwhile, you were working out her finances to get her in, right? So we were working on the finances, and honestly, I really turned that over to the attorney, and we set up... A, they set up everything. I said, do everything. Don't leave anything for me to do. So they actually set it all up with um, where my aunt actually would write a check to them directly without having to think about how much it was going to be. Everything was totally set up um, with her being on Medicare, um, and then we applied for Medicaid. So they took care of everything. And then I investigated, you know, you have to do the supplemental insurance as well because Mm -hmm. her medication, a lot of it wasn't covered. So they gave me, the hospital gave me the list, um, the nursing home, and the social worker at North Shore. So we were able to go through that whole list to find out what the best plan would be um, for her. So this was, uh, uh, besides the yoga studio, your full-time job, and another <laughs> full-time job, right? So so let me ask you, did you sleep at all during this time? <laughs> well, it's a good question because what, what ended up happening, which is, I think, you know, another point that you were, you were a key 
key in helping me kind of take care of myself is, you know, at the beginning, I was not sleeping. I didn't want to leave her side, so I was either in the chair or the sofa and wasn't eating my normal healthy food. It was in the hospital, and I made the best choices I could. I was actually doing yoga in the hallway, um, and, but it wasn't Much my normal practice. Much to the practice. joy of the nursing staff and our L people, I'm, I'm sure. But no, the funny thing is there was a, a, a two other people in there that had family members who were who were going through, um, who were also terminally ill, and they ended up practicing with me. True story. In the hallway. <laughs> that is great. That is Jerry Bonnie for you. If there's someone to do yoga with, she's going to find him. Okay, so anyway, all- back to the nursing home, because I think that, you know, we, we've only got really about, uh, nine minutes left, and okay. so you get into, you find this nursing home, yeah. and you get there, and you probably thought, oh, thank goodness, I'm here. Okay, well, what 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 happened then? <laughs> well, I mean, the the truth is, no matter how great the nursing home is, you still you you know you have to be vigilant, and you have to know who's in charge of what, and they also it's important that they know you're present. So I'm not there, but my aunt lives in New York and my aunt is physically there to help my mom. She's been amazing with her. And you know, fast forward, we have actually hired someone also to be with my mom because the nursing home, while they might be good at taking care of her her making sure her trach tube is intact and making sure she's getting her breathing treatments, you know, one of the biggest challenges, they're not interacting with her. And because she can't physically move her body anymore, um, you know, getting them to interact with her and realize that she's still completely cognizant um, has been a challenge. And whenever anything, you know, even having them still do physical therapy with her because basically they started doing physical therapy with her and then they called me and said, well, she's not getting better. These were the exact words. She's not getting better, so we're going to stop physical therapy. And I said, well, I know she's not getting better. That's not the goal of physical therapy with my mom. <laughs> you know, she's not going to get better, which I, you know, and right, I tried not right. to try to be very even. So then it was talking, literally, it took a month of talking with people, including the head doc, to say, I'm not going I'm not going to accept this. We still need to do some physical therapy. Um it doesn't have to be with physical therapists, but maybe with the staff. So we were able to continue that um that So you actually went really. all the way to the medical director? I've talked to the social worker, the social worker's boss, the head of the hospital. Um and what I've found actually works the best is talking with the physician in charge on the floor who's in charge of my mom when I'm able to talk with him if she's going through a change and saying, this is what I'm seeing, this is what my aunt's seeing, what are you seeing? And really listening to what the doc has to say and then when appropriate saying, well, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. What else can we do? That's when I get the most results. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you have trouble tracking down the doctor on the floor? Um, I actually, what I've started doing is I actually call his office. I don't call the nursing home to find him. Um, I was doing that, and now I just call his office and say that, you know, she's a patient at at the nursing home. Can you um, page him for me? Sometimes it takes a day. If it's urgent, he'll get right back to me. Um, but I think being very, again, when you talk with a physician, is being very, you know, even keel, even if I'm upset about something being very clear and listening to what they say and then but you have to you know you have to know what you want when you make the phone call 
Um, and sometimes it's it's proven when I've talked with him that maybe what I thought might work might not have been the best idea, and he might come up with another idea. So it's really a partnership, but you have to you have to follow up. I actually have a notebook where I write things down, um, so I know who so I talk to. So you write down all I'm your conversations to. and everything that's changed, everything related everything to your mother's Everything that's care. changed, yeah. In terms, even with the medicine, um, and that's another thing. If you are dealing with someone with a terminal illness. And they have chosen the path that my mom has, which my mom has. My mom wants to, you know, basically be resuscitated and basically keep living no matter what. So I know this is going to be a long journey with her, and I know her and her medications change a lot. So she will have to go back and forth to the ER frequently. She might be unresponsive one day. Um, and what we found is when she goes to the ER, um, by the time she comes back, there might be medication changes, some of which were clerical error. So like this oh, most yeah. recent trip to the ER, she came back, and her face was really hurting, and it turns out there had been a clerical error. They left one of the medications off. So, oh, dear. And, of course, when she comes back, the staff at the nursing home just says, okay, this is what it is. They don't exactly. say, well, why is she not on that? Okay. They say, right, there must have been a reason um, in the ER, so let's just leave it off. So, again, it's being really vigilant. Um, like we have the woman who's who's there with my mom and my aunt's there with her. And I noticed right away because I was actually recently there and she was looking at me and I asked her for her if her face was hurting and she kept blinking over and over again because that's all she can do. So I knew something was wrong. And at that point they said, well, let's just give her Tylenol. And I was like, well, I don't really think Tylenol is going to do a lot for her. Um, right, but right, we didn't right. realize until she got back to the nursing home what actually happened. So, do you send a list of when she goes now to the ER? Have you? Like, do you? I think you told me once that you send a list every time now when she goes. Or the how, nursing what do you home try does. to do with that? Oh, the nursing yeah. home. Does. Yeah. Okay. So and the you nursing call, home you follow up. Yep. Uh-huh, See, okay. the nursing home goes, and then but when you she to, gets there. Did you have there. to tell them to do that? Did you? Sorry. Did you have to tell them to send it with them, or is that standard? Mm-hmm. That's standard. Yeah, so they'll send that, but it's also, you know, I always check. Um, Mm -hmm. So you check it out, and then depending on, again, how busy the ER is, you want to try to talk with the ER, um, the attending physician, as soon as possible to make sure that her medications are continued or if they're not, what's the reason, what do they think is going on. A lot of times it will fall through the cracks, too, in terms of what someone's allergic to. Um, so those are other things you want to look at with the in the ER. Okay, there's um, we're getting closer. I can't believe it's just been so incredible. But there's a couple <laughs> things. There's one thing that you told me that you did that I wanted everyone to hear about is you really wanted to be able to Skype your mother, right? Oh yeah. So tell this them is the- just really and like you guys quickly, but tell that story because that is wonderful. Okay, so I'll be quick. Basically, I tried to work with the nursing home to find a way for my mom to get a communicative device and the ALS Foundation, and it wasn't getting anywhere. So what we ended up doing was getting a laptop for my mom that I actually hardwired to her tray table. Um, and she can now, with she just has to help with someone else, with someone to turn it on, but she can receive messages. She can't talk anymore she can just blink but she can see her grandkids she can now receive email every day photos and she just lit up um, and was so happy so even though we physically can't be there my brother's in texas we can virtually be there and she can at least be part of the part of the family that way 
But it was a struggle to get it set up, right? Um, yeah, basically the bottom line was they they didn't want it left out. It had to be taken home and brought back every day. There's no wireless. I had to figure out the wireless. <laughs> it was like, uh, it was, but that didn't stop you. you just, as I said in my promo, don't take no for an answer is your mantra. Yeah. You can't. You, you, you can't. And the bottom line is I'm my mom's advocate. So what my mom wants is what I I need to, to make happen. So she's chosen to live her life this way. I'd like to make it the best life possible given the circumstances, which are not great. So anytime that I can talk with the LS Foundation, talk with you, talk with someone else about her quality of life, I want to make it the best possible quality of life she she can have. Well, I think that's pretty extraordinary, getting that so she has, uh, can see you and she can hear you. And um, I applaud that. And I, I, I say to all people out there, see, you know, that's 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 great. You know, if you have a thought that to bring, you know, something to your loved one in a nursing home, go for it. It's You know, it, it might work. <laughs> yeah, I think okay, breaking, so breaking the rules is up, good. What is give us what is your sage advice in about thirty seconds? We have about thirty seconds here. Um I would say, you know, be kind and accept kindness. Um, ask questions. Ask questions and, you know, again, seek help, take help, um, take help from wherever wherever it comes and be kind even if you're frustrated because you're you'll get a lot more for your loved one if you um you know, speak from your heart, speak from kindness, and remember that the other person is you when you're having a conversation. Uh, that's so great. That's so great. And you've been successful. So this advice works. And yep. I know that you've been able to do the best for your mother that is possible. So thank you so very much for sharing this. I know it's been hard and you've been through a lot, and I appreciate that you took the time. So thank you very much. And Give your best, give our best to your mother, and we'll pray for her. Thank you, Ari. And you're amazing. I this I couldn't have done any of this without your help. Okay, well, thank you. I love you know I love it, so thank, <laughs> thank you. you very All much. Right. Thanks for having me. Okay, take okay. care. Bye. Bye. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope this was helpful, and I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me with any questions at heal at healthcarewhisper.com or call me at 866-980-4325. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.